you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. I'm Calvin Johnson Jr. and you listen to the Huddle and Flow Podcast. Well, all right, we're here at the Huddle Flow Podcast, brought to you by Intuit, the proud makers of TurboTax, Mint, and QuickBooks. I am Steve White, here with my brother, Jim Trotter. We are two-thirds of the Howard U Mob. Our producer, Thomas Warren, on the ones and the twos, he completes the puzzle. And Jim, we got, we got a real interesting show today. Our guest, uh, Arizona Cardinals GM, Steve Kime, been a little busy. been a little busy signing folks now some people think he's signing people uh, who also have that AARP card that David Culley the Houston Texas head coach said that he flashes but he's still got some productive players we're talking about guys like Matt Prater and AJ Green and JJ Watt and Rodney Hudson those are guys who can still play yeah the thing that stands out to me about what they're doing as well um, people say they're all in now but you know I can tell you a guy like Steve Kime is all in every year you know you want to win and particularly when you've gone five straight years without, you know, reaching the playoffs. But if you talk to them privately, the way that they evaluate each of these individuals um, in terms of how they fit, what they can bring, and why they will be successful stands out to me. They're not just signing a name, and they're not just signing someone based on necessarily past production. They are truly breaking down how that person fits. So I'll give you, for instance, with um, A.J. Green, people say, oh, he's lost a step. He's not as productive, can't get off man as, as well as he used to. And the way that the Cardinals look at it is every receiver or every player over 30 starts to lose a step at some point, as we know, Father Time is undefeated. But you have to remember, A.J. Green was also typically matched up on a number one corner. Well, in Arizona, he's not going to be matched up on a number nope. one corner. DeAndre Hopkins is. So now you have to ask yourself, 
can A.J. Green win against the number two corner? And they obviously feel very confident that he can. The other thing is he's such a great route runner and his hands are so good that he can still make plays even in tight coverage at that. And the other thing we know about Arizona is that they take care of their veterans. You know, you're playing warm weather on grass and they don't push those guys during the week. They try and manage their bodies to make sure they're effective on Sundays. So it's for some of those reasons, when I hear people criticize Arizona and say they went to these players with AAP cards, I say, yeah, they may be a little older, but these guys have a specific plan on how these guys fit and why they believe it can be successful. It wasn't just going off of name or past accolades. At the same time, Jim, I do think the fact that they started out so hot last year and then they really petered out two and five down the stretch. You know, Kyler Murray hurt that shoulder. And we're going to ask Steve Kime about that, because when I saw Kyler Murray hurt the shoulder and he stopped running the ball, that's when their offense and and just kind of their whole operation seemed to really slow down a little bit. But eight and eight, I don't know if that's good enough. I mean, and it's tough to make headway in this division. So I think they are signing these guys for at least, uh, you know, for what they can do, but they've got to get some short-term bounce. They have got to try to make headway, and to me, the toughest top-to-bottom division in the NFL. No, no question, Steve, but but what I would say to that as well is, remember, they lost eight games, but four of those were by a touchdown or less. Three of those are by a field goal. So if they make one kick, and I forgot which game it was, but if they make the kick, they're in the playoffs. That's how close it was. Instead of losing a tiebreaker, Um, So from my standpoint, they are not that far away. And early in the year when they were healthy, um, they were they were a team that you had to deal with. So I do think these guys that they've signed can play. I do think that they will give them a bounce. And that's what's going to be so fascinating about this division. As you say, it's arguably the best in football. And I say arguably because I think, you know, the the AFC East has gotten a lot better this offseason as well. Um, And we know that that. In the AFC North, when you talk about a Baltimore, a Cleveland, a Pittsburgh, right. how that goes typically. So, um, but that's the NFL. And, and the one thing I'll say is, you know, Steve Kime is one of my favorite people to talk to because he just he gives it to you straight. He does. You know, he knows what he can say and what he can't say, but he's not BSing you and 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 playing the deflection game and whatnot. If you ask him a, a, a question, he'll give you an honest answer, and and I respect that about him. Yeah, and let's get to him, Jim, because, you know, the one thing, you know, right like right now we're, we're seeing a lot of these teams talk about, hey, they got to move up to the top five or six to get some of these quarterbacks in the draft. And, you know, Jets may move off of Darnold or, or, or whatever. He's done it, right? He had to do it with Josh Rose and, and Kyler Murray. So I'm, I'm just real eager to hear his thought process about doing that, where we're seeing some teams kind of mortgage, potentially mortgage the future for the unknown. So, all right, let's get to our guest, Steve Kahn. All right, Jim, now we're joined by our special guest, Arizona Cardinals GM, Steve Kime. And, Steve, you know, you haven't been busy at all. I mean, about this past week, you've been sitting on your hands, uh, you know, not doing any transactions or anything. That's right. That's right. Uh, what an honor, guys. Uh, two of my favorites. So, appreciate you guys having me on. Now, let's do it, Steve. Look, let's get right to it. Okay. Everybody talks about uh, being in win, win now mode. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find that ironic because our team's in that mode every year. 
<laughs> exactly. That's a that, that's a great comment because uh, I've heard that before. And you know, he's going for it. Shoot, I'm going for it every year. And it's uh, you know, the players that we sign, maybe that, that's. Uh, uh, the presumption that people have, but I'm in acquiring good players who have great leadership skills, and that's what we feel like we did this off season. But at the well, same time, say- Steve, no, so at the same time, you know, like like you said, the players you signed, you know, you see some of the big yeah. name signings: J.J. Watt, Matt Prater, and Rodney Harrison, A.J. Green. They're in their 30s, okay. So in, in NFL players' years, they, they've got some some tread on the tire, so to speak, or the tread's coming off the tire a little bit. So is it, though, is there a more of a sense of urgency because maybe their careers aren't going to be as long as Kyler's at this point? Kyler's got 10, 15 more years. These guys might have two, three, four more years. Is there more of a sense of urgency with these types of signings? I don't think so. I really don't, Steve. I think I think it's, it comes down to what were our offseason goals, and that was to become a more f- physical football team and, and to add more leadership to our locker room. And I think that when you, when you watch all these guys, you know, J.J. Watt is still a disruptive player on tape. Uh, you know, A.J. Green, uh, people seem to think that maybe he's lost a step. I mean, he's a guy that was targeted 112 times, I believe, last year. 38 of them were uncatchable balls. So uh, he's a guy that, to me, can play the Z position for us, has great character, as you guys know, and, and I think he still has some stuff left in the tank. And to be able to add more weapons to this offense, I think, is something that excites us. Uh, and then Rodney Hudson. I mean, I, there's no doubt in my opinion that he's still one of the best centers in the NFL and is still playing at a high level. Yeah, but don't overlook Prater either. I mean, when you look at it, four of your eight losses were by a touchdown or less, three of them by a field goal. So right. that's a pretty significant signing for you, I would assume. Is that one you targeted going into free agency? Yeah, 100%, Jim. And it was, you know, when you look at it analytically and you see all the games that are lost by three points or less and, and the way we lost those games last year, here now all of a sudden is one of the best uh, clutch kickers in NFL history uh, with the leg strength to boot. So uh, no pun intended. But he uh, he is a guy that we, we targeted early on and, and are really excited about. Steve, can you speak to the challenges of trying to build for today but also build for tomorrow? I mean, as Steve said, when you look at those eight, I'm going to go with your top eight signings this year. All of them this season are going to be 30 or older. Right. And a lot of people focus on age. How do you balance that with trying to win now, but also not hurting yourself for tomorrow? Yeah, that that's a great question, and 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 on a reduced cap by about sixteen million dollars right. uh, uh, as well. So it, it's it's tough, but but having a rookie quarterback uh, on a rookie contract does afford uh, you those opportunities uh, to be aggressive at other spots. Um, but you do have to watch, and, and particularly the way you uh, structure these contracts. A lot of times nowadays we're we're doing voided years, which creates dead space down the road. Uh, and hopefully, you know, in a year or two, we're we're paying Kyler Murray the kind of money that these elite quarterbacks are, are making. So it, it is a tough balance. Um, but at the same time, I think with the way you allocate your money or the way you structure these contracts, if you have guys who are leadership or leaders and have great passion and and, and bring those sort of things to your locker room, I, I think that you have to take those opportunities, um, regardless of what your situation is. Steve, you've had a taste of the Super Bowl, and um, the last time you guys were in the playoffs was the NFC Championship game. It's been five years since then. Can you speak to what that emotion is of, of playing at the the pinnacle and now not being in that dance for five years? What is that emotion like? 
Yeah, it's it's tough and it's it's humbling. I mean, you know, my first five years uh, as a GM, we won over fifty games. You know, hired Bruce Arians. Uh, we we traded for Carson Palmer, uh, which was I think somebody said equivalent to a ham sandwich. And you know, after the first couple of years, you think I'm pretty good at this. And then, like I said, you hit this humbling point of your career where it's, um, not only you have to unfortunately let go a coach and. Uh, let go of a guy that you drafted with the 10th overall pick and, 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 and redo th- things, so to speak. Um, it's not fun. And, um, you know, you can get down on yourself and it's challenging, uh, but you always got to continue to, to, to fight that, that deal, you know, internally more than anything, just, you know, fight the, um, the, the fact that it's easy to get down on yourself, but um, you got to have the confidence and you got to have thick skin in this business. That's for sure. What did you so, learn about yourself during that time? Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's a great question. I, and and I, I've thought about it time after time. Uh, I think it's that more than anything, you have to really be honest with yourself and, and self-evaluation. You know, I think as, as humans, we tend to make excuses for ourselves or, for example, my kids. You know, you make excuses for your kids because you love them and you care. Um to be honest with yourself is pretty difficult. And I think that when you have the ability to look in the mirror and be blunt and truthful about yourself, good or bad, um, that is the only way in life that you can truly grow. And that's what I, what I learned is to, to be honest with myself and, and say, this isn't good enough. And there's only one way to go and that's to fix it. So Steve, and also in all your, your years being a general manager, of course, it's not just procuring talent, right? It's developing talent, developing culture, you talked about the guys you signed because you wanted to bring in some you know, talented players, but also leaders. Yes. What is the culture of your locker room, though, to absorb imported leadership? Because a lot of locker rooms are like, hey, bro, you haven't been here. You can't come in here barking like that. But, what, you know, for your locker room, say, hey, J.J. Watt, people are going to come in here and listen to J.J. Watt. Or they're going to come in here and listen to A.J. Green. Now, can, can you kind of explain balancing that dynamic and why you think your locker room is ready for that? Yeah, and, and and that's, you know, as I got to to know AJ or JJ, um, JJ Watt, that is, he, he's a guy that, you know, I, you guys have both talked to him. I mean, he just exudes um, confidence and passion and uh, is, is got, I, I think in this game, um, leadership is, is an innate thing. You have it in you. Um, it's natural. You know, you've heard guys try to be leaders in the past and it doesn't come off authentic. Uh, I, I think there are obviously uh, not as many leaders as you would love to have. Guys that are just good football players, and they come to work and do their thing and go home. But but then there are those guys that they come to work and you feel their presence, and, and that's what we felt with some of these guys, uh, in particular JJ. And I know Rodney Hudson is another guy of great character as well. Steve, how do you um, how difficult is it when you have to part ways with a guy like Patrick Peterson, who has been everything for this organization in terms of being a pro while he was there. Um, on the outside for us, you know, want to be general managers, it's easy because we don't have the relationships. Yep. We're not there day to day with that guy. For you, what is it like to have to part ways with a guy like that? It's, it's funny you say that because I was thinking over the weekend, uh, you know, we go to high school and some of the our best friends are, are guys that um, we spent four years with in high school or, or college, those four years. So I went to high school and I went to college with Pat, Pat Peterson, so to speak. So I have that relationship. And, and th- there's no decision that's been more difficult for me than within the first 
10 days of being the general manager here, I had to release one of my best friends in life, Adrian Wilson, who is, you know, ring of honor. And Jim, you and I've talked about it. We both feel like he's a, he's a hall of famer um, to, to have to tell him that his career in Arizona is no longer going to exist with the background that we had. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you, man. I, we, we were in tears on the phone and um, to Adrian's credit, uh, man, this chokes me up when I think about it. Adrian Wilson came out after we released him and he said, I knew Steve Kime was the right man for the job because he was, he, he was strong enough to release a player like me uh, when he needed to. Mm. And man, I, that, that, that chokes me up to think about that. Mm. And what does wow. that say now, Adrian Wilson's character? So he says a ton, which is why, which is why I'm sure you're glad he's, he's sitting down next to you uh, in, in your building, helping, helping build what you guys are trying to do there. You're exactly right. Um, and, and why, you know, when you're in, when you're in the bunker, man, you got to find guys that you can trust and you believe in that um, sort of life that, like that humbling part of looking in the mirror and being honest with yourself. You got guys that, that are going to speak with conviction uh, and, and aren't going to sugarcoat anything. And that's um, not trying to climb the ladder. It's just because they love what they do and they're passionate and they're honest. Steve, do you think if the cap, if the cap hadn't shrunk that Patrick would still be there? Yeah, I mean, you know, that, it's hard to say. I mean, I know it's a hypothetical question. Um, he, he had a great run here and certainly one of my favorite players that, um, that, that I've had a relationship with throughout the years here and uh, really fond of him. Steve, uh, everybody wants to know what's going to happen with your wide receiver, Mr. Fitzgerald. Tell us what's going on there. Well, uh, it's funny because – I was telling Mark Dalton earlier that that I'm sure you'd be the guy that gets the news first. <laughs> so I was hoping you'd give me a shout when you find out. All you got to do is pick up that phone and call him. Yeah. Uh, no, we we've texted a few times, but he hasn't said anything about his intentions. He's he's keeping it tight to the vest. But uh, man, we'll talk about a special guy. I know you guys both have great relationships with him, and what he's meant to this organization and to me personally is uh, he's he's special. Do you guys want him back? Larry? Yeah. Are you kidding? Do you think I want um, snipers outside my house? Uh, <laughs> oh, it's for self-preservation purposes, eh, Steve? <laughs> hey, no, no I, and I, to, I told Larry this. Um, this year when he, he um, you know, got tested positive for COVID and he wasn't in the building, uh, I think it was for about 10 days. When he came back, man, I gave him the biggest hug. Like, he, just not having him in the building felt so weird, you know, because he's 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 an icon here, and not only that, just the relationship. I mean, he he he's he's the most unique person that I've ever met. If somebody asked me who is the most unique person, it, it, it's by far him. I mean, I'll get a phone call uh, from him out of the blue, and you know, think what was he calling me about? And he's just calling to say, put you know your son Brady on the phone because it's his eleventh birthday. Like, are you kidding me? Like, wow. do you have somebody that sits beside you and says, now call Trotter, now call Weiss? You know, it's it's amazing. He's got a memory that it, it blows my mind, the stuff that he latches on to and doesn't, doesn't forget and will pull it out of the air from nowhere. So, yeah, no, I agree with what you're saying um, there. Steve, I'm curious when it comes to team building, how much – of the move, how many of the moves that you make are specific to, to things you want specifically for your team versus having to match up against those teams in your division in particular? As we all know, the easiest way to the playoffs is to win the, your division. So when you see a San Francisco or a Seattle or 
or a Rams team, how many of your moves are, are based on what they're doing as opposed to just maybe what your philosophies are and what you want? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's another great question, and it's a balancing act. It's, um, you know, first goal was every year, win your division, take care of that. And and for us, how do we do that? And that's up the middle right now. You know, when, when you're facing teams like the Rams and the 49ers who have that interior presence that they have. So to be able to acquire Rodney Hudson via trade uh, for me was huge because of his strength, because of his intangibles, because of his smarts and his awareness. And again, when you're going against guys like Aaron Donald and, and, uh, and those type of players, uh, you know, you got to be strong inside. And uh, I think that'll give Kyler uh, even more confidence heading into his third season. Steve, I wanted to, to switch from personal just for a second, though. There's going to be a push next week at the owners meeting or a proposal that talks about um, limiting hiring of head coaches um, until after, I believe, after the Super Bowl. Good or bad? What do you think about that? It's, a, it's another one that I've mauled over and over because, you know, you, you want guys uh, to have opportunities. Yet at the same time, it's like uh, uh, in some respects, like talking about a player under contract, like you can't, you know, you, you he's under contract. So, you know, you're protecting your organization. But at the same time, again, it's more of a personal thing that you're you're trying to allow people to better themselves. Um, is it a distraction? I don't know if it's a distraction or not. I, I've gone both ways on that. So I know I'm not uh, giving you a great answer uh, because I think that you could probably argue both sides in some ways. What do you think? If you had to vote on it, what would you do? <laughs> you guys are trying to make headlines. Um, no, no, no. I'm, I'm generally, uh, it's not about making headlines. I'm generally, generally um, interested in whether you think that delaying the process for interviewing people is really going to help level this playing field a little bit where, because um, you know what the numbers are from a diverse standpoint in terms right. of hirings. Right. I'm just curious if you feel it will level the playing field to do it that way. Uh, I think it, it's like scouting players. The more opportunities you have to see players or the more opportunity that people have to, to, to talk to coaches, uh, I think it, it certainly increases chances. Because it's like the more you see players or the more you have access to college colleges, the more you'll probably like players. That's what I've always felt like. You know, that's why I've always been disappointed when some colleges, um, you know, restrict our access. The more I see them, the more I know about them, generally the more I'm going to like them. And, and that could be uh, the same way with coaches. Um, but we definitely have to do a better job um, overall, for, certainly for, for um, diversity and that sort of thing. And I'm particularly proud of this organization, the steps that we've taken and you know, I think think also, you know, developing uh, people like we just talked about, Adrian Wilson and Quentin Harris, who's my vice president of uh, player personnel, two guys that I think are, are certainly going to be general managers in this league and have uh, a great amount of talent in the personnel side. Um, we just recently uh, named both those guys vice presidents. And uh, for me to sit and see how much they've grown is, is really makes me proud. And, and we have to challenge ourselves even more to pay it forward. You know, one thing that I feel like, you guys have asked what I've learned about myself. You know, maybe earlier on in my career as a GM, maybe I was a little more selfish. I don't want to be too hard on myself from that standpoint, but I'm saying that I've put more effort and emphasis in trying to develop those guys and pay it forward because it's important to me. You know, and I think that uh, we all have to do a better job in that area. And that's an, uh, something I'm proud of is taking the time to spend with them. And, you know, unless you try to develop these guys or put them in the pipeline, you'll never know. 
Speaking of development, Steve, you know, Kyler Murray, we, we saw some of the growth, but then we saw what happened on the back half of last season. And watching a lot of your games, to me, it seemed like the shoulder really impacted his play a little bit in terms of play calling, not running him as much and things like that. How badly was he actually hurt? You know, Kyler's a tough guy, so I don't I don't think anybody will, will really ever know. I mean, obviously, your trainer gives you um, a report, but uh, Kyler's one of those people that always wants to play, wants to play through any kind of bumps and bruises. Um, I, I'm not sure. I, I, I agree with you a little bit that, that, you know, there was a point in time where he definitely had to protect himself a little more. Um, but I, I think he is just going to continue to take off and ascend the more football he plays. I, a lot of times... You know, we don't talk enough about how he really didn't have an offseason in in, uh, in college. He played baseball, so he didn't have that development time at the college level. And he really, you know, you look at the, the extent of time that he played, it's uh, that year at Oklahoma. So he's just scratching the surface to me and what he can truly be in this league. Steve, what is an offseason going to do for him? You know, I, I just think it's, it's with young quarterbacks in particular – uh, the comfort level in an offense, the command, and, and more than anything, processing and seeing the field, you know, uh, seeing NFL defenses, seeing a, a mixture of what they do schematically. Uh, and the more you see, you know, obviously that'll be in his Rolodex in his mind and he'll be able to revert back to seeing different coverages and the way he reacts to things. But um, but he he is a football junkie. He loves it. I mean, you, you know, you get texts from him about guys in the draft and, uh, I, I eat that stuff up because it, it shows me how vested he is in what we're doing as an organization. He's he's such a quiet guy. How many? How much have you had to talk to him in, in terms of leadership, connecting with your teammates, and maybe having to step outside of your comfort zone a little bit? Yeah. Um, in terms of making those relationships, we've had we've had uh, a few discussions, and I think it's more about um, uh, instilling confidence in him to know, like, this is your team. You know. Um, Sometimes guys come in at a young age and you have Larry Fitzgerald and Patrick Peterson and guys who have been a fixture in the building for a long time. And uh, maybe at times you, you take a backseat and let them uh, sort of drive the bus. But uh, wanted to let him know that, that this is your bus and, um, uh, you know, have the confidence that you can speak up and you can uh, do those sort of things as a leader because, uh, regardless of whether it's your first year in the league or your 10th year in the league, um, make no mistake, you're running this offense. Steve, I want to kind of get to you now the, the, where you are you're in, in, in the draft. You're, you're in the evaluation process mm -hmm. of these collegiate players. And just how different is it when you're thinking this time last year, you can't get on campus, right? You're not having pro days in person. You're not seeing this. And now you're actually getting – eyewitness accounts right you're, you're sitting there you can talk to these guys you can get yeah. the, the eye test on them how different is that and how important is it when seeing that you know some some of these guys are COVID opt-outs or mm -hmm. maybe didn't play against the great the best competition because they played against teams that had COVID opt-outs so how important is I guess the the year after the year later in terms of you finding the proper players for what you guys want to do well, you know, last year, uh, the obstacles that were created because of COVID, uh, actually, there were some things that, you know, when, you, you know, I got, I became open-minded about the process. Uh, really, we learned some things that we continue to use, particularly with the virtual world um, and the access that we can have to players through calls like this. Uh, but there's no doubt when you see them in person, 
you, as they say, smell their breath, you're on campus, you can talk to the, the janitor, you can talk to the, the, the secretary about the kind of person they are, because that's, to me, what it's all about. You know, these guys all have a skill set that you can see on tape, but to be good or to be great, the difference is, is their passion, their love, their, their character. And, uh, you know, so to be able to get out and see them in person, it's almost like, you know, you went from not breathing to breathing. I know that's extreme, but it's like you got to have as a scout. I've always said when you walk away from that school and you have that intimate knowledge and feel from the school and being there in person, it's a lot different for me watching six games in my office. Hey, you know, quickly, when you did, real, real quick, Jim, when you did a virtual interview, and, and this is a question I wanted to ask other people. Have you ever like, let's say you call up a prospect or whatever, and the dude is like laying in bed? like eating a bag of like Doritos or something, or, or, or were they always like on point and ready to rock and roll? I, I, I'm, I'm not going to say who it is, uh, but I just had <laughs> one a couple of weeks ago. Guy was like, like slumped down. He was like eating peanuts and then he was messing with his hair. And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and this is a job interview. <laughs> it's like, uh, do you guys remember the, um, uh, what was it? Goodwill hunting when Ben Affleck put his legs up and, and was like talking to the guy about hiring him. And he told him it was going to take like $80 in cash or something like that. <laughs> so you're pulling out these pop culture references yeah. on me, Steve. You know I don't do those. Yeah. So I, I, it's something I do want to ask you about, and, and it's more serious. You talk about the, the, the difficulties of the job. When you drafted Josh Rosen and then to come back a year later and make that decision that you were going to move on, and we're talking about a top 10 pick here, can you take the audience through – how difficult a decision that is knowing what you feel is right, but also knowing what you had invested in the first place to get him. Yeah. And, uh, a a number of things. I mean, number one, it's, 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 it's you having that struggle with yourself saying, was, was I wrong? You know, that's a guy that we spent uh, the 10th pick in the draft on, uh, as well as your wallet. It, It doesn't make a lot of owners happy when you're, moving on from a guy that you selected 10th overall the year before. But at the same time, you know, to, to, to have um, a guy like Kyler Murray, who I thought at the time, you know, generational talent, uh, it's kind of like, you know, you're, if, if you took Clyde Drexler with the first overall pick um, and then, you know, Michael Jordan's there with the third pick, you know, do you do not take him because he had Clyde Drexler? No disrespect to him, but if you think that that that's truly in your heart of heart what you believe, um, you got to roll with it. And that's man, it is it is a really tough decision. And Steve, tell the people this wasn't something that you went in saying right away. Kyler's my guy. I didn't want to like him. I didn't. And I know I've told you this before. I did. I you know I, I delayed watching him until after um, the combine, and there was already you know just because the cliff relationship and, and knowing him that long and what he said at, at, a, at a college interview that, the, that there was already a perception. I hadn't even watched him yet. So um, I just had to be honest to the process and say, regardless of what you see, because generally if you have a bad attitude going into it, it's probably not going to be good. And I just said, you got to be honest. And this is a tough decision. I hope I never have the number one pick again. Matter of fact, if I have the number one pick, I probably won't be making that decision. So um, you got to do what you think is going to propel your organization um, sort of the fastest. And and that was an an area, and I I think it was the right decision. Oh, there's no question it was the right decision. Yeah, yeah, it was the right – well, and also, Steve, props for the Clyde Drexler drop. I mean, for all the old school hoopers, uh, Clyde Drexler was that dude, but – 
MJ was really that dude. So that was a very yeah. good, uh, very good uh, comp right there. What was um, it? Five Slamma Jamma? Was that Five Slamma Jamma? Him, you know him, and Akeem You know who beat him, right? Wait, oh, I was here at we the go. game. Oh, here wait. we go. North Carolina State. There he goes. Derek Wittenberg, hey. right? That's right. Jimmy V still looking for somebody to hug, man. Yeah, man. He's up in he's up in heaven <laughs> looking for someone to hug, man. Right. <laughs> hey, hey, but Steve, you know, since since you know, since we're kind of on this, like the evaluating of, of young quarterbacks, and we're seeing, like right now, people saying, okay, the Jets may move off of Darnold or Miami and Tua, and then all these people may trade up to try to get into the top five to get the four quarterbacks who are there. Mm-hmm. What is the hardest part? about saying we're going to take that risk or we're going to move off of somebody, you know, when, when you're seeing all of the stuff that we're hearing about the top end of the draft this year, pretty much the top end of every draft. But again, moving off of a Sam Darnold or someone like that to get another young player where there's a little bit of uncertainty. I mean, what are the, what are some of the decisions you go through in your head since you personally got to bend through it? The, the inexact science that the NFL draft is, and that's just – whether it's history or analytics studies, it just tells you that that you miss. We, we miss a lot. We miss a lot more than, than than you would like to admit. And to to miss potentially a second time is catastrophic. If you think about it, if you want moved on from a guy who was a first round pick a year or two or three ago, whatever it is, and then you take another one with the first pick in the draft, and that guy doesn't pan out. I mean, it, it, it's it, it's catastrophic. It sets it would set an organization back. I don't know how long. One player also. Well, a couple of things I want to talk to you real quick. Your D front. You know, we talk about JJ Watt, and we talk about what he can do with Chandler Jones. But you guys brought back Marcus Golden, and I don't think people realize like how impactful of a player uh, Marcus Golden has been. I mean, and then you know you've got Isaiah Simmons from last year, um, and kind of the hybrid role. But he really started to settle in towards the end of the year. What do you think that some of the personnel additions that you guys have made and then like the experience that someone like Simmons can do for your defense to really continue to, to kind of grow and play up to its potential? Right. I think the, the great thing is there's, uh, there's a mixture of guys that play hard to guys with length and athleticism. And uh, the one thing that, that, as you said, Marcus Golden, he's so passionate. I mean, you love the way uh, he plays uh, really with a, a high motor and uh, physical and then you throw in Chandler Jones, who is so gangly and unorthodox, yet, you know, I think since 2012, the two guys who've led the NFL in sacks is number one, Chandler Jones, and I think number two, J.J. Watt. So um, I think having those guys on the field at the same time is going to pose some problems. Now you have a guy at the second level who can not only blitz, he can cover, he can do it all. And, and, and Isaiah Simmons, you know, with his speed, Vance Joseph likes to call him an eraser, which is an interesting um, uh, description of, of what all he can do, you know, for defense with his his uh, his ability to cover ground and close on the perimeter on, on run plays. And um, again, just the flexibility that he gives Vance to do different things schematically. Steve, I've got two questions for you. Um, number one, where on this team are you still looking? Are you most concerned about what position are you most concerned about going forward? Well, on 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 uh, on paper, it's easy to say corner. I would I would right. think you know, and and um, 
with Patrick going to uh, the Vikings, you know, you're looking at the guys on the roster right now, the uh, Byron Murphy, who we draft in the second round, who I think is an excellent player. The question is, is, you know, is he a better inside player uh, as a nickel or, or, you know, is he, is he, he can do it both really, but you know, you have to, we, we have to add some, some, uh, uh, some bodies to that room. And, and the one thing you got to do is just stay patient. You know, we added Antonio Cromartie years ago, uh, late in the process, and he became a pro bowler that year opposite Pat. Um, certainly helps to have the rush that we'll uh, hopefully have and sort of what comes first, the chicken or the egg. Well, the, the guys with their hand in the dirt certainly come first and, and makes those guys on the back end jobs a little easier. Secondly, Steve, we both know these TV deals are going to kick in in a couple of years. You um, have a guy named Chandler Jones whose deal is coming up soon. Yeah. Are they trying to slow play it, or are you trying to get this done quickly before that money <laughs> kicks in? No, <laughs> Chandler, man, he is um, he he is he is a phenomenal player and a great person. And uh, again, the, the statistics speak for itself. So, um, you know, it's good to have those sort of problems. I, I I told John Schneider years ago when they won the Super Bowl, all those guys were trying to get paid, and I said, "Man, you got champagne problems. That's 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 good." When Jason Light's going through it now, how do I pay all these guys? You, you didn't know, answer I, my I hope question. Steve. You have those problems. You know, you didn't answer my question. Oh, are we trying to slow play it? Or no, no, I know they probably would want to slow play it. But are you guys trying to get this thing done soon? Something soon with Chandler. Uh, man, I, I swear I have not even had a ch- chance to come up for air uh, to even point in that direction. So I would say, uh, you know, we'll start having some conversations here in the near future. I got you. All right, see, better, better, better offseason mathematics. Buccaneers or Saints? Uh, in terms of? In terms of finding ways to get under the cap, re-sign guys. Well, I got to stick with everything. Jason White. That's my guy. Okay. And uh They're Mike Greenberg. Yeah, Mike Greenberg, their cap guy. Those guys, uh, those guys have had to become creative, that's for sure. And again, problems I, I would certainly like to have. You know, the one thing I gotta know from uh Steve before we leave, man, what are you wearing opening week? This is one of the sharpest dressed dudes out there clean. when it comes to GMs. I gotta know what you're wearing. Coming from you two, that's that's uh that's a lot of love. I mean, I think it's I, I've seen you guys both rock probably a nice plaid or something. Um uh, certainly gotta have a little red, maybe some red in the stitching that pops. All right. Oh, you say you say that with so much gusto, Steve. I know he does. I know. I want I want to know how far out you plan your attire, Steve, for Sunday. Uh, and don't tell me you wake up Sunday morning and just pull something out. Probably a couple days. Uh, Larry uh, mess was messes with me all the time because we have the same um, girl, Chandra, who makes our our suits, and. Uh, he always gives me a hard time, whether I'm either the second or third best dressed in just the building, or then a couple of years ago, he told me I was the second best dressed GM uh, behind Thomas Dimitrov. Yeah, really? about to, nobody nobody was taking the crown from TD. Nobody was taking the I, crown from TD. I don't know, man. Steve's pretty clean. <laughs> Steve, Steve is clean. I think it's his, his slender look just looks better than mine does in a suit. <laughs> is that what it is? I don't know. I don't know. Whenever I walk in that building, I see Steve. It's like, damn, I got to up my game a little bit here. That's why I was thinking actually on the way down here when Mark Mark brought me down. I was thinking, man, I don't have like a, a sport jacket or something because I know my guys are going to be clean on the other end. No. Hoodie up. Not for this, yeah. my friend. 
Not for this. <laughs> hey, the one thing about COVID world, it's definitely relaxed some things. I don't think the suit yeah, business I, is doing as well. Suit makers are the ones who are probably hurting more than anybody. Any high fashion design folks. Yeah. Hey, we see. We know. We know you got to get out of here. Um, Jim will call you when Larry decides what he wants to do. Perfect. And uh, and we'll talk after that. Sounds good, man. You guys are wrong, man. But I appreciate you always, Steve. Man, <laughs> appreciate you guys. Appreciate you, Steve. The great work, man. All right, guys. You know, Steve, uh, Steve Kime is one of those guys that, that again, I just love talking to because um, he shoots you straight, but you can have fun with him as well, as well. And one of the things he said there that I think is so true in terms of self-reflection and whatnot, um, you can you can come at Steve and say, man, you know, you messed this up or how did you miss on this? And he's not that guy that's going to take it so personal, where some of these guys, you know, um, you you point out one of their oh, mistakes yeah. and they don't they like they don't want to talk to you anymore. Steve is like if you come at him with an honest evaluation, he's willing to have that dialogue. You know, he's not so thin thin skinned that he's gonna, you know, put you on that list and you know, all of a sudden you're blocked and and no more conversations. But um, but I respect that about him. And I do mean and I do think and Thomas Dimitrov can get mad at me about this. I do think Steve Kime gives Thomas Dimitrov a run for the number one best dressed executive in the NFL. He, he gives him a run, and now it's a, now it's Steve's since Thomas is out of the game for you know for at least this season. Um, yeah. You know, I really, Jim, I really, I really thought when you, you when you asked the question about philosophically, what are you trying to do? He's like, we got to get better guard to guard, right? We got to get better on the offensive interior when you're facing guys like Aaron Donald and the Eric Armsteads of the, of the world, you know, who, who are coming at you. And so he, he gets it. I mean, that's one thing that they, you know, ever since Mike Potty really, they, they had not addressed for a couple of years. They, they hit some other spots. So now they're going there. And the fact is that they got to get a corner, which they absolutely do. You lose a great player like Patrick Peterson. Um, they, they've got to force, fortify some things, especially now that Deshaun Jackson is in that Rams offense. And we, we know the smoke that the Seahawks are bringing with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett on those sides as well. So, um, yeah, I really, really enjoy, you know, Steve, and it's going to be interesting to see how they, they go about procuring things and, and they move and they move forward with some things. I'll say this to you, Steve, the happiest guy in the Cardinals organization, in my opinion, is Vance Joseph, because when he first got there, they did not have the pieces to be successful defensively. Mm-hmm. They tried to add a little bit last year, got a little better. And now look at what he has to work with. You get a healthy Chandler Jones coming back, JJ Watt. You keep Marcus Goldston. You've got Isaiah Simmons, who, who should develop in year two. You got Buda Baker, one of the best safeties in the game. At every level of that defense now, he should have playmakers. And if they go out and they they take care of themselves at corner, um, that's a unit that's going to do some things. And, and it's going to have to do some things in the division that it's in. So uh, I, I'm willing to wager that Vance Joseph has a very wide smile on his face as they head towards the draft. Yeah, you know, Jim, they, they enhanced the physicality. And Steve yes, talked about it a little bit. They had to get more physical. Because you look at the defenses in the – I mean, the Rams, I mean, they got everybody trying to break you off, right? I mean, everybody on their team comes at you headhunting. Seahawks still kind of figured some things out. They, they're they're hot and cold. But San Francisco, you know they're going to be back. You know, D'Amico Ryans and, and then the players that they've added and, and that they've they've been able to manage, get, you know, coming or getting back from injuries – so they're going to be back. So so good for them. You know, so, Jim, we also know Steve is out, you know, procuring talent. 
and as part of something we do here and trying to amplify HBCUs, Black College Football Hall of Fame, of which I'm on the selection committee, um, we're going to be staging a Legacy Bowl the Saturday after the Super Bowl. And the only reason we say the Saturday after the Super Bowl is we're expecting it to be a 17-game season until the Super Bowl date has not officially been set yet. That's the only reason we're phrasing it like that. But, you know, the reason why Doug Williams and, and James Shaq Harrison's guys felt that this was important to get an all-star game together, to get all these scouts to come look at these guys before the combine, is a lot of these guys aren't going to get invited to the combine. They're not going to invite it to the senior bowl. But this is a way to find somebody who's maybe a fifth-round draft pick or a seventh-round draft pick to, to help. And, again, I think it's important – um, that people understand there's still some talent at these HBCUs, as oh, we're seeing at Jackson State with Deion Sanders is bringing into town. Um, but but to get them in front of eyes, I think, is is just so important, especially after so many of these teams didn't have a COVID season, you know, a truncated COVID season, and they didn't have spring ball in 2020 for these scouts to come see them, at least in the developmental stage of their career. Yeah, for, for me, Steve, it's about one thing and one word, and it's opportunity. And that's all these players ever asked for, nothing else. Just can they have an opportunity to be seen and to make their way? And so I applaud Shaq and Doug and everyone else involved with the Black College Football Hall of Fame um, and the NFL for helping with this because uh, it's just, it's needed, you know? And um, these young men have dreams as well as everyone else. And if they can just get an opportunity, you know, you run with it. You make it do what it does, you know, or as Ray right. Charles would say, make it do what it do, you know, make it, so, make, make it, make it do what it do, you know? <laughs> so, uh, so no, I, I think it's tremendous and, and uh, props to those guys for helping to get that off the ground. Well, we're going to continue to amplify HBCUs, HBCU sports, HBCU athletics, women's athletics. Thank you. Women of the NCAA uh, March madness for stepping up. And, and exposing some of the inequities. Um, it's a shame it had to come to that. Proud of you for stepping up. And, and hopefully things can get better from here because this is absolutely kind of ironic. All right, Jim, let's go ahead and get out of here. We're, we're, we're not done with the GM train on the Huddle Flow this week. We're going to have Brandon Bean of the Buffalo Bills on a little bit later in the week also because the Bills have a, a real interesting proposal for the competition committee about slowing down the head coaching hiring process. So we'll talk to him about that. Well, it's going to be a busy week as we kind of move towards a draft here on the Hall of Flow, Jim. Yeah, that'll be a good one. I've got some thoughts on it. We'll save it until then. But for now, we want to thank you all for continuing to subscribe, continuing to listen. And we implore you to keep leaving us messages, letting us know who you want to hear from, what you want to hear about. And that way, we can continue to give you more of what you're funking for. And don't think we don't read those comments. We get on iTunes, we get on Spotify, we get on iHeart, and we look at what you're saying, and we appreciate the love. I, I mean, it's it's fantastic to see that we're actually giving you guys something that you want that you didn't have. Um, and as Jim said the other day on the podcast, it feels good to know that you were right when we proposed this podcast a couple years ago, and here we are. All right. Uh, for Jim Trotter, for Thomas Warren, I am Steve Weich with the Hull and Flow podcast brought to you by Intuit, proud makers of TurboTax, QuickBooks, and Mint. We will be back a little bit later, but for now, we are the HU Mob, and we are out.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count.